Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Most proud of thing is going to have to be persistence because there has been time and time and time again that I could have quit and I could have given up and it probably would have made a lot of financial sense at the time had I just given up, but I didn't. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. My guest today is Josh Ferrari. And he is head of investor relations for Greenlight Capital. He's raised over $6 million and he has, they have 13 million in assets under management with another 5 million under contract right now. So these guys are really rocking and rolling. So Joshua, excited to have you here today, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Excited to be here. Let's, let's dive into this. Yeah. So give everybody a, a sense of who you are and, and where you come from. So Josh Ferrari, I from Memphis, Tennessee, but I moved to Mobile, Alabama, which is where our portfolio is um, roughly about four years ago. Didn't actually start getting into real estate investing until about three and a half years ago. Started out wholesaling. That didn't really work for me. Tried that for about six months. We didn't close a single deal. So obviously we figured, well, this isn't really what we want to do long term anyway really want the benefits of owning real estate. So let's pivot, let's do something else. So we bought a fourplex and we house hacked it and it was a living nightmare. It was just never ending issues and problems and financial struggles. And it was the first deal we ever did. Of course, it was the largest deal we ever did at the time. And we did it all by ourselves. There's just like that three, four, five, 20, 50 different mistakes that happened inside of this deal. But it was all good. It was a good learning curve. You know, they always say you're going to pay for your education one way or the other. And this is how I paid for my education. And we did actually sell that deal uh, January of 2021. So finally rid of it. Good to be done with that. But about six months into having owned that fourplex, I... You know, it was a small multi, so I liked the concept of having multiple units underneath one roof. I liked the idea. 
it was not working out for us and we were not living for free while renting out the other units like was the goal in the first place but the the concept of it all made a lot of sense to me so i remember just diving deeper and deeper into the ideas of multifamily and what that was going to look like and i always thought i was going to do what Brandon Turner calls the stack, you know, where you had to get like the four unit and then eight and then 16 and then third and so on and so forth. So I got where I wanted to be and was at the level of passive income I wanted to be at. And granted, that was going to be with just my wife and I going through that, that process, you know, just us buying those units and us doing all of the work and the asset management piece of it all and <laughs> all that stuff. And so once I found out what syndication was once I dove deeper into the idea of using other people's money because it's all I heard left and right and everywhere and everyone's mom's telling me and everyone's saying you got to use other people's money if you want to be successful in this business so I remember reading Joe Fairless's books the best ever like apartment syndication whatever like, let me just see what syndication is all about and it was almost like every chapter in that book is just the most basic, simplest, like, hey, this is what you do. This is how you need to do it. This is the way you need to set it up. And I was like, this sounds so simple. You know, it seems like it's so easy. And if I just follow these steps, I'll get to where I want to be much quicker. Now, even after having read that book, I still hadn't, it still hadn't like clicked in my head yet that this is where I needed to go. It still wasn't like 100%, you know? So I remember a guest speaker coming over from Pensacola to Mobile to speak on multifamily syndication. And I'm like, man, this is perfect. Let me see what this is all about. And so he gets there, he, the meetup ends basically. And I remember just being kind of in awe, like dumbfounded at what was just said and how everything was now solidified in my head of getting where we wanted to be much quicker, uh, being able to partner with the right folks to do so, so I can live the lifestyle that I want, you know, can create the more passive level of lifestyle because I'll have a team and partners that help kind of offload a lot of the, the heavy lifting. And then I could use other people's money to scale and I could provide opportunities for others to grow wealth with me via the syndication route. So it's just like a bunch of different factors that I love. Well, anyway, that guy ended, I ended up talking to that guy afterwards. We both had aviation in common. So that's how we kind of clicked. And then that's kind of, he's been somewhat of a mentor ever since. And then fast forward to today, now I have the two business partners. We since closed about 239 units. We've got another 88 units under contract. One deal in there is actually a single family luxury flip, which is kind of a one-off that we never thought we'd do, but it's a very intriguing deal. And we kind of like that model now, but we are definitely more focused on the larger multifamily side of it all. And our new goal or our goal that is this year in 2021 is actually to reach a thousand units because we really all three of us want to get out of our W-2s, finally go full-time in this business, live the lifestyle we want to and our end goal for the next three years, you mentioned Vivid Vision earlier. Our Vivid Vision is that we want $100 million in asset center management. By the end of three years, I'm starting to think we may be shooting just a little too small. I don't know. We'll see. But we're, it seems like we're already almost a, a quarter of the way there, and it's only been six months. So we'll see, we'll see where, where we end up, end up when we get there. Yeah. So you guys have had substantial growth. And, and and are continuing 
to see that it sounds like so and you do all of your investing within mobile is that right in and around yeah so primarily the markets that we're targeting is from destin florida all the way west into southern alabama but we've never been able to make anything pencil out in the florida the northern florida panhandle so all of our portfolio is in Mo mobile alabama and now montgomery Gotcha. And what made you focus on that territory? You know, it was locale. Uh, honestly, there there were a wide array of factors that we could talk about for a long, long time. But honestly, being local was the biggest thing because we knew going even before COVID, before we knew that the world was going to shut down and things were going to be crazy competitive and X, Y, and Z, we knew that if we were investing in our backyard, we were going to have a leg up in some factor um, from an investor perspective of us not ever having experience in something like this. So being able to tell new investors that need to trust us for the, for the first time in order to partner with us, uh, it's like, Hey, we are local. We do know the market extremely well. If anything does happen, we are boots on the ground, literally like 10 minutes. I drive right down the road. We can be on site, get it fixed. We've got tons of relationship with contractors, property managers, and just a lot of these different things gave us legs up. And then the market itself just so happened to be a very strong economical market. And we've got the Mobile Bay down here. It brings in like $12 billion a year, just in the city of Mobile. It's a natural resource. It's not going anywhere. Not every city has a, a bay that has oil and gas coming in, that has naval ships being built, that has Airbus. Their Airbus is US-based or, or only US-based manufacturing facility. They've already invested over a billion dollars in the city of Mobile over the last couple of years. So there's just a lot of different growth factors and strong economic pieces to the market that we liked and that made a lot of sense. And then also us being local, we knew we would be able to grow and scale much quicker than we otherwise would have if we were like, you know, down here in Mobile trying to invest in California. It's like, yeah, it's probably not going to work out as well as it has because we're local. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think being local, especially as you get started, is is huge. Having at least boots on the ground somewhere, right? Having somebody that's local on the team that allows you to uh, right have access to that deal, make sure you know what's going on and, and can stay on top of property management and and just check up on things, right? And having those local relationships already built in, yeah, huge value there. So you mentioned that you started you started with a fourplex, right? So you kind of skip the whole single family piece of it, right? A lot of people do. You go right into a fourplex. Didn't work out quite the way you expected it sounded like, but but you were uh, not deterred, right? And, and continued on. And then you went instead of, you know, going from four to eight to, to 12 and 16, right? You went and your next one, what was your next one? So we had the fourplex, then we had a 21 unit single family portfolio, then a 42 unit apartment complex, 34 unit, then the single family luxury flip. We just closed on 148 unit portfolio and we got another 88 units. We're closing on in two weeks. Gotcha. So, so yeah. So talk about making that jump from the four to, to 20 to 30 to, to 80 to 140 something like wherever you are now, how does that, Talk about that mindset shift that had to occur. Like, at what point did you believe, like, oh, I could go buy 148 units? 
Yeah, so I didn't believe it at first. And it took me a little bit to just believe that we could buy the 42 units. Because the 21 units, I kind of came in on the back end. My partner handled a significant portion of that. And I was somewhat of a fly on the wall in that deal. It was just kind of like the beginning of, of, a, of a relationship being started there. Um, but we were both fully ingrained and have been since day one on the, on the 42 unit. So when, when I was really transitioning from going one all by myself, you know, fourplex, just me and my wife and, you know, we were doing all the work, but I actually had my dad give me the money for the down payment, but, but he's back, he's back in Memphis, you know, so I was still actually handling everything. Um, so going from that to a 42 unit was rough. You know, I thought, I honestly have always been a very optimistic individual. So I am of the mindset that nothing's impossible, basically. Like, ah, we do it. No problem. You know, it'll be super easy. We'll just get some partners or we'll just get some extra money from X, Y, and Z person over here. Talk to a bunch of people. They got connections and money and brokers and, you know, everything. I was like, we'll make it work. No, no issues. Uh, of course, my partners are more, a little more realistic and they kind of bring me, bring me down to earth and realism. But uh, when we were getting into that 42, I was extremely excited. Cause I had been trying to break into the multifamily space for roughly about two years at that point, just a straight solid two years of analyzing deals, submitting LOIs, communicating with my partner, trying to figure out what's going to work for us, talking to brokers, all of the, the nuance that is kind of the acquisition phase of trying to buy a deal. And it almost seemed just like it was endless. You know, we just kept getting turned down, turned down, turned down, or the deal didn't make sense. Or, you know, we're getting the crummy deals on the back end that everyone else has already skimmed over. And it was, it was defeating a little bit, but I knew if we just kept going, it was actually my mentor that told me, because I remember being so defeated and asking him, Hey man, you know, I feel like I've been at this thing for forever. How long did it take you before you finally got into the game? He's like, well, my first ever deal was a fourplex too. And I had the fourplex for about five years before I actually went into multifamily. I'm like, wow, five years before you actually got into something larger. And I had only been in the fourplex for about two years, you know, roughly when he was telling me this. And I was like, I just don't want to wait another three years to get into this. And so we just started talking about it a little bit and he basically put it in perspective for me to go back to the, your initial question of mindset that when you dive into something like multifamily, it's going to take you significantly longer uh, to get into it because the barrier to entry is a lot higher. But once you get started, once you start flowing, once you build that team, once things start working for you, it's that, that infamous snowball effect that just takes you, it, it's like downhill, but in a positive light, you know, downhill because things become easier but it's positive because you're continuing to grow and things are continuing to be better and, and better for you. So mindset was rough at first because I just felt really defeated from the last two years of not being able to close anything. And then once we finally raised all the money, we had our partnership down pat, we had the business plan down pat and we closed on that first 42 unit. Man, I was ecstatic. I was like, man, we gotta do this again. And actually we had got the 34 unit under contract before we closed the 42. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and then we closed the 34. And before we closed that, we had the single family luxury flip under contract. And I was like, well, this is kind of interesting, but this is cool too. You know, let's, let's try our hand at this. 
So we had got that. And before we closed that, we got the, the 148. And when we got to the 148, mindset was a lot different because we had the four, 21, 42, 34. They're all smaller properties. The 148 was almost triple, if not quadruple, the price, purchase price of all these other deals we'd ever done. And so we're like, how on earth are we going to be good with liquidity and net worth? How are we going to get an agency loan? How are we going to raise all the equity that's needed? Now, how are we going to do all these things? And we thought, well, do we really want to just sit back and let the deal breeze past us because we don't have the money or we can't do it ourselves or whatever? And we thought about it, you know, we've been analyzing the deal and we're like, absolutely not. We don't want this thing to just pass by. So we actually tried to go with a couple of partners out in North Carolina and it didn't end up working out with them. And we were like, oh shoot, well, we're still gonna go after this thing. So then we found another group of partners, uh, our key principal partners now, and they've been tremendous. They've been absolutely phenomenal. And if we hadn't have partnered with them, Obviously, I don't think we ever would have closed the deal. But now that we've strategically partnered with these people and they've we've been able to close this large deal, it's like, oh man, you know, we're like unstoppable at this point. You know, we can just keep we can just keep going and the next big deal comes up. That they actually recently the KP team, right after we closed the 148, and we've got the, the 88 still in the works too now. They messaged us and said, Hey, we got like a 260 some unit we're looking at somewhere and i'm like what the heck 260 some who's got the the money for that you know like who's got the ability to raise all that capital and it's it's a difficult mindset shift that happens there but i think once you start doing it once you actually just take action and get in there you'd be surprised how quickly you realize what's possible and then that'll just take you leaps and bounds further than where you ever thought you would have been able to go yeah, that's an awesome message. I, I love that. I think uh, you're exactly right. You know, you keep proving to yourself you can do more and more than you think you can, right? That's awesome. Well, you've, you've mentioned partnership a couple of times, and it, it seems to be kind of a common theme through your success, or the, these partnerships that have come about. So tell me a little bit more about what does the partnership look like for you now? So right now, there's primarily three of us, three main people that make up Greenlight Capital. Uh, myself, head of investor relations, primary capital raiser, dealing with the investor portal, the monthly communications, all those things specific to investors. Um, and then there's my partner, Reggie, who handles the majority of the asset management. He's kind of the day-to-day the -day guy. He really loves the financial underwriting and creating the spreadsheets and making sure the business plan is operating effectively. He just, just lives for that stuff. And it's just crazy because I don't, you know, but, but it's, that's why we've got each other uh, because it's necessary to be successful in this business. And then we've got Matt, our third partner, who really helps us out a lot with liquidity, net worth, getting approved for a lot of these loans. And then he runs a single family brokerage actually in Destin, Florida. And so he's connected with a ton of high net worth individuals and sells houses left and right to all of these just rich people. And so he's connected with a lot of wealthy individuals. And so he's able to help a lot as well with any of the capital raising I'm unable to, to acquire. And so we all kind of mesh together and come together to make this trifecta team that has all of the pieces that we need. Granted, 
we don't have all the systems and processes in place yet. We don't have everything figured out. I can tell you that right now, but we started somewhere. We started with a, a goal in mind, a vision at the end of the tunnel and walking towards that, we're slowly putting the pieces together, creating the systems, creating the processes and making, making everything mesh and make sure that we're all good to go, that we're actually good at the job that we're doing and that we actually enjoy it. You know, because I could say, hey, I want to do investor relations and then I could get into it and I could absolutely suck at it. And I like, no one wants to hear me talk because I maybe hate people or, you know, whatever it is, I, I could be horrible for the job, even though I'm saying that's what I want to do. So it's like figuring out what folks are actually good at and what they actually enjoy. So that they're not going to get burned out down the road. And sometimes people can actually be really good at something that they hate. So it's like, okay, well, what, what do you want to do? You know, what do you think you could do that you would absolutely enjoy you know, coming to work or whatever every day and think that you could really thrive at it and be successful. And so just figuring all these little pieces out, I think is where we're at now in our continued growth, figuring out all the little intricacies, but big, big picture, we've got me as the investor relations, Reggie's the asset manager and Matt as the primary kind of key principal partner. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, so my takeaway from, from that is, look, you're never going to be perfect the first time around, right? But the only way you improve is to get started. So you guys got started in a big way and, and you learned a hell of a lot in doing that, right? And, and now you're bringing it back to improving the process, learning from your mistakes and, and kind of hardwiring those things. And I think that's, that's the only way to really really get good at something, right? Is you just have to get started and you have to learn as you go. Hopefully you can pick up some things from mentors and, and others along the way, but until you're really doing it, I think it's really difficult to, to have that experience, right? So, and it's never going to be perfect the first time out, right? No matter what you do, your first time is never going to be as good as the second time or third time or, you know, and more as you do it. So I think that's a great lesson for people. So you, you mentioned something that, struck a chord with me and, and then I, I actually saw on your website as I was doing some research prior to this and this idea of, of a vivid vision, you mentioned vision and your goals and, and you have something cool on your website, this, this vivid vision that, that you've written. So tell us what that is and, and then tell us how that, how has that played a part in your growth? Yeah. So vivid vision came from the book, vivid vision by Cameron Harold. Uh, I actually heard about it on Bigger Pockets. Uh, they had, I think they had Cameron Harold on there, and Brandon Turner was talking about how he read the book and it was phenomenal. And I'm like, all right, let me give it a read and see what it's all about. And I remember reading it in like two sittings and being like, wow, this is really cool. And so I, and this was about a year, year and a half ago at this point when I had read that book. And after reading the book, I thought, okay, I need to put my vivid vision together and what that's going to look like for me. Granted, about a year, year and a half ago, I didn't really have any partners. It was just me. And all we had was the fourplex at the time. And I was still trying to dive deeper into the multifamily space. So I settled for bullet points. Why did I settle? I don't know. But I settled for bullet points when putting together what I thought was my vivid vision. It was just a vision. Uh, at the end of the day, it was not vivid whatsoever because it was just like get to a thousand units, get this much money in passive income, 
do this, do that, get out of the W-2, you know, it's all of those things. Uh, and so about a year, you know, a year and a half goes by and I heard Cameron Harold again at a, uh, I can't remember if it was at a conference or if I watched some YouTube video or heard him somewhere, but I heard Cameron Harold again, talk about the division. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why did I settle for bullet points? You know, you should never settle for anything. I want the, a vivid vision. I want to know exactly where we're going to go. So I remember sitting down and thinking, okay, I need to just take time to write out where it is we want to go, what it's going to look like, what it's going to smell like, feel like, taste like, how the business is going to be, how we're going to run day-to-day operations, what kind of benefits we're going to provide employees, how many employees we want to have, where I want to be in social media, how much how many people I want to help, how much I want to give away to charity, you know, all this, literally every detail of your life and your business should be thought out and put into this vivid vision. And so I just sat down and started writing, started typing out what I wanted it to look like, what it was going to be like. And after I did that, because this was just a couple of months ago at this point, I remember sending it over to my partners. I was like, guys, this is what I've created. This is what I think, you know, what my vivid vision and what I think our vivid vision truly is moving forward. You know, I think we're all on the same page. You know, read it over, tell me what you guys think. Let me know if you want to make any changes or shifts or think something's crazy. You know, let me know and we'll tweak it. We'll finalize this thing and we'll make this our goal and our vision for the next three years, you know, 2023 end of it what is it going to look like all that stuff and so they reviewed it they had a few minor things to touch and touch up and tweak and change but for the most part they were like this sounds amazing you know i think we all are looking to get exactly this and this is all where we want to be and this is the amount of passive income we want to be at and we all want to be full-time by this point and and so on and so forth and so it was it was empowering almost because we had talked about it before and talked about how this is where we want to be and this is how many units and a you know, thousand units sounds amazing. And you know, This is kind of the goal of how much money we want. But when I was actually able to just sit down and write it out in this format and they were able to read it, then they were able to get a truly in-depth vision or description of how I'm envisioning what it's going to look like in a couple of years. And so they're able to read that and be like, oh, okay, I didn't know you were looking I didn't know you wanted it to be like this, but that sounds really cool. Or, or maybe we should tweak this a little bit. I don't know about this. Here's what I'm thinking it'll look like. And so we're all able to kind of get that out in the open where otherwise I don't think we really would have ever taken the time to just sit down and be like, Hey bro, three years from now, do you want to have three, four employees or seven? Do you you want to pay them $50,000 a year or 70,000? Do you want to give them a piece of the equity on every deal or do you not care? That have been like, bro, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But instead, I was able to sit down, hash all this stuff out, write it all out. And now we have something to strive towards. And I think it not only helped us internally with myself and my two business partners, but it's helped tremendously on an external perspective as well, because I'm able to send this vivid vision out, which if you're actually watching this video, I don't know if we record video, but it's right here behind me in my office that I printed it out and put it here so I can read it every day. Uh, when we're, we're actually able to send this out to investors that might be interested in investing with us, to lenders that we're looking to partner with, to brokers that are trying to send us deals, to just any different 
like contractors, any person you can fathom that would be a part of your team. These are the people we're sending this out to like, hey, this is the direction we're headed in. This is the lifestyle we want to live. This is what we want it to look like. Do you want to partner with us? Is this something you would be interested in joining and being a part of for the next couple of years? Because this is the three-year outlook, but this is only the beginning. You know, in three years, once we get to this point, we're not just going to say, okay, we're done. Let's just sit back and drink my ties now. No, this is the beginning of uh, a massive kind of adventure and entrepreneur and I don't even know business moving forward. And so we, we just being able to get everyone on the same page internally and externally has been huge. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it makes a ton of sense, right? And, and, and it's, it's really a simple thing at the end of the day, but it's something I don't think most people do is take the time to become that clear on what they want, right? At that level of detail. And so one, I think it's a great exercise, but two is, so why has, like you said, it's helped a ton. Why has it, why has that helped so much? I think everyone having the same clear vision because you can all have the same vision we can all say yes we want a thousand units yes we'd like to get out of our w-2s and yes we'd like to do x y and z but then your vision of a thousand units could be achieving fifty thousand dollars a month in passive income while my vision is that i'm only going to be getting twenty thousand dollars a month in passive income so we can both achieve our goals of a thousand units at the end of the year and one of us or both of us could be extremely disappointed when we get there because it wasn't what we were thinking it was going to look like. And then same thing with the day-to-day -day operations. We can say, hey, guys, we're going to work 60 hours a week. We're going to crush it. We're going to work harder, faster, stronger, than smarter than, than anyone else out there. And we're going to get to where we want to be. And then month, two months, three months, four months down the road, we could be absolutely miserable working 60 hours a week, not able to spend time with our family because we forgot about the sacrifice that it was going to take or we just just whatever it is and so we were able to picture out what do we want our lifestyle to look like you know we wanted to work 30 ish hours a week so that we can spend plenty of time with our family granted right now we're not spending 30 hours a week on the business it's more like 50 or 60 because we're getting everything up off the ground. But once we get to where we want to be, we want to eventually have hired a professional asset manager. We want to kind of offset a lot of the day-to-day -day activities so we can be somewhat more of the visionaries in the company. And just hashing all of these little things out, I think have been ex extremely pivotal to getting everyone on the same page so that we're all chasing the same thing. Because you can think that you're all chasing the same thing and you're really not if you don't ever talk about it. Like I remember, I've heard stories before of folks getting in partnerships and being all excited about it and both parties are just crazy exuberant. Like this is gonna be fantastic. We're gonna get all these deals. And then they get to like hundred units or they get to 150 units. And one of the partners is like, okay, I'm done. You know, 150 units is where I wanted to be. This still helps me live the lifestyle I wanna live. I'd still like to work full time in my W2. This is just kind of a little side gig thing that's now producing me enough passive income like I wanted. And the other guy's like, bro, what the heck? I wanted to get to a thousand units and then I wanted to keep growing. I'm, I want to get out of my W-2. But if they had never really sat down, discussed it or wrote it out or had the same idea of where they wanted to head, they can get into this partnership and then a year or two years down the road be screwed to having to get out of the partnership because they didn't sit down and clarify where 
their heads were at, where mm -hmm. their goals were at. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good insight. I mean, it, it just, I always, I mean, I think partnerships in business should be taken as serious as a marriage, right? And, and it always surprises me when I see people, you know, partner fairly quickly because to, to me, it's something you have to, you have to really be thoughtful about. And something that you said, I, I think is, is great. Like taking the time to sit down and understand each other's goals, get a making sure those goals align, right? Having that, that vivid vision really, I think helped you have that conversation, right? And get aligned and have it on paper. And, and I mean, it's, it's the reason partnerships fail. I think it's the reason, you know, you see relationships fail too, is like people, like you said, you're all exuberant at the beginning. It's all great. And you're having fun, but like, you don't have those tough conversations on the front end of like, well, you know, do we want to have kids? How many kids, you know, uh, what, what, what church we're going to belong to all, all, all those things. Right. And, and it's the same thing when you're getting into a business partnership, it's like getting those things on the table at the beginning, save you a lot of trouble down the road. Right. After, after all the newness, the honeymoon wears off and you got to get into, into the nitty gritty stuff. So I love that. I think that's great advice. And definitely that book vivid vision is something that People should check out if, if they're looking to, to start a business and looking to, to achieve something big. So you guys have obviously you've seen the vivid vision. You've you've grown exponentially over the past year. Right. I think it's fair to actually say exponentially in that case. And, you know, I'm sure there's been some challenges along the way. So, you know, one big tenet of this show is is trying to help people learn from others mistakes, avoid those those same challenges. So can you share with us, you know, what's the biggest challenge that, that you faced, or maybe there's a couple and, and what are the lessons that you learned from it? Yeah. Uh, so maybe this isn't necessarily the biggest challenge that we face, but this is one we're actually facing right now that maybe we didn't think about when we were first starting, because we were just trying to get up off the ground and we just wanted to start making some money and start becoming a legitimate business. Uh, but we didn't create enough systems and processes around some of the daily or even weekly or even monthly actions that need to be done in order to implement on the business plan, be successful, make sure the property manager knows what they're doing, communicate with investors. Uh, a lot of those things right on the front end when we started, we didn't have squat. We had no systems, no processes. I didn't even have a CRM. And I had all these investors that I'm trying to email individually to communicate with. It was a mess. You know, it was, there was no sense in it, but it was all we had. And we just wanted to start. We <laughs> just wanted to see some type of success. And so I really think it would have been much better had we created a lot of these systems and processes out of the gate, because now we're at the point where it is absolutely critical to have all of these in place and have, uh, we, you know, we have what we call our weekly wig meetings, our wildly important goals, figuring out what is most important this week that we need to get done in order to achieve our goals, you know, by the end of the year or what have you. Um, got weekly communications on that. We've now got bi-weekly calls with property managers and bi-weekly visits on, on site of the, all of the properties that we have because we are local uh, while they're all kind of getting up off the ground from the business plan. Cause all the deals we've closed on, we closed on in the last seven months. And so literally we, every deal we've ever closed on is in the process of the major CapEx. You know, we don't have, we don't have anything that's just 
chilling and fully filled and ready to go. So it's, it's, we're just continuing to pile on work from that aspect. But I would say biggest challenge is making sure that we created those systems and processes. And I think a big lesson that we've learned is that we have dropped the ball a few times um, with, with investor communications or with, uh, I was telling you a story at the, at the beginning here. I, I guess I'll tell it again now. We recently dropped the ball from an asset management perspective on our most recent acquisition of our 148 unit portfolio. And the story is July 4th weekend, the, literally the Friday before the weekend started, it's like 5 p.m. And I get an email from the current PM who was in the process of transitioning out with our new PM, we were getting in there. They were putting everything together, I guess, getting ready to leave and head out and be done. Basically, we're replacing them with our new property manager. And they said that the water company was there getting ready to shut off the water for all 148 units. And we were like, well, what the heck? We got utilities transferred in our name. Shouldn't be any reason the water should be getting shut off. And so call up the, like frantically calling up the property manager and they're like, oh, well, we weren't able to get the property management agreement done from the attorney. So we weren't able to send that over to you. And so we don't have it signed. And so we can't legally put the utilities in our name. Like I told you guys like a month ago, like I asked you if this, if we, this was all good, you guys said you had it handled and that as far as the property management agreement goes, you were going to just put fix like two things they said, and then they were going to send it over to us and we were going to sign it and that was going to be it. And all of it was going to be handled, no problems. Uh, well, of course, I didn't do the bird dogging that was necessary and constantly follow up with them and make sure that it gets done because I just trusted them, I guess, expected that what they said was truth and that they were going to get it done and it didn't get done. So it's basically almost my fault that 148 people didn't have water over the 4th of July weekend, but luckily we were able to get it resolved right there frantically at the end um, and keep keep the water on get everything transferred over. But it is little stuff like that, you know, it slips through the cracks that makes for those crazy frantic phone calls and that you, you could just avoid if you had better systems and processes in place to prevent the headache. Yeah, absolutely. I bet that one's on the work plan now, right? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I, I think I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's a great lesson learned and, and a great tip, uh, you know, for others out there and, th and things to watch out for. So as we, as we wrap things up, we've got our keys to success round. I want to take you through, we've got four questions I want to ask you. First one is, you know, put your, take your capital raiser hat off, put your investor hat on and say, if, if there's only one question that an investor, you know, should ask their, their deal sponsor, what is that one question? An investor should ask the deal sponsor. I am going to say, ask for referrals. Um, and I know that's tough for newbies because you've never done anything before. So you don't have anyone to refer anybody to. But when you get the true perspective of the end customer of who the sponsor is, you know, because they're wanting to be the customer basically by investing passively with the sponsor. And so hopefully there's been other customers or if not them, maybe the person they're partnered with has previous experiences with that individual. Just finding someone in the team that has done this before has raised money and has 
referrals that they can send over to them. So you can have just a one-on-one -on -one honest conversation like, hey, they said that you had invested with them on XYZ deal. How did that go? How were the communications? Were they very open? Did you get the returns that they promised? You can ask all of those questions to a very unbiased individual. Uh, and I think that would give you the best insider perspective into their business that they would never be able to give you because they're rooting for themselves. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be great. And we always commit, and we always do great. Uh, so being able to talk to someone that has done something with them before, I think would be huge. Most proud of thing is going to have to be persistence because there has been time and time and time again that I could have quit and I could have given up and it probably would have made a lot of financial sense at the time had I just given up, but I didn't. Like back with the fourplex, when things went chaotic, we ended up going almost $50,000 over budget. I ended up having to do all of the work myself, literally from roofing to foundation, to carpentry, to sheetrock, to painting, to electrician, to plumbing, because there was a five month dry spell because of the 203k financing loan that we did where our first contractor was being fired and we were in the process of hiring the new one but neither of them could do any work on the property for five months and none of the units were livable and we were having to pay this massive down payment that we couldn't afford and i'm like there's just no way i'm just going to sit back and not let anything happen so the consistent persistence of going through that and then continuing to invest in real estate even after that I know a ton of people that would have just given up you know, after <laughs> yeah. that deal went so completely sideways. They would have been like, oh, the same for me, but persistence. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that that's uh, most of life, right? Just just keep getting, get, keep getting back up. What's the one book that everybody should read? The one book everyone should read. We've talked about it on here, so i got to give another shameless plug. Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. It'll change your life. Even if you don't have a business and you don't even care to start a business, which I feel like you do because you're listening to this podcast. But even if you don't and you just want to create one for your personal life, I'm sure it would help tremendously even with your, your spouse yeah. or your kids or having a family vivid vision. Like it's just a phenomenal book. Yeah, I, I can see how that could apply in so many places in your life. I mean, I think in all aspects of your life, you should have a clear direction of where you're heading, right? And I think oftentimes we get so caught up in the day to day and you just kind of get swept away with it, right? And then you end up somewhere and you're like, how did I get here? Well, because if you don't know where you're going, anywhere is fine, right? So right. I think that, that that's that's a really good tip and 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 having it for family or and anything can, can really be valuable to have that clear vision. So very good. Lastly, what is your number one key to success? Oh, man. Number one key to success. Well, it's got to be partnerships because if I, it's got to be the team that I've created because I didn't have the team, if I didn't have the partnerships, there's no way I'd have been able to close on any deals because I didn't have any money because I was broke from the bad fourplex deal that I did. So I wouldn't have been able to start getting into this industry had I not had those key integral partnerships and teams surrounding me in order to make the business in and of itself successful. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome, right? It's, uh, it's all about good partnerships, whether it's whether it's partners for deals, whether it's contractors, property managers. I mean, it, it, it's got to have strong partnerships all, all the way through, right? Very good. Well, Josh, appreciate you coming on today. You've shared a ton of value. If folks want to learn more about what you're doing, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go on our website at glcap.co. Um, and then all our information's on there. All of our uh, blanking, our social media links, all of our social media links are on there. You can actually go listen to my podcast, Creative Capital, on there. You can sign up to be a part of our uh, investor newsletter, get updates on any deals that we're doing, all that stuff. All that information is on the website. Awesome. We'll make sure that's uh, that's listed so people can find you. And Josh, thanks again for coming on the show today and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.